What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. I am with Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. Dan, I'll start with you. What is the key to a successful relationship? Oh, um, saying please and thank you. That was nice. probably not that, but I just made that up. I don't know. Great. I think you did really well. Dan, you can't see him, but he's reclining in bed right now. Um, and he's relaxing for you. Um, Emily. Please give us an update on the tree in your backyard and all of the uh, adjoining drama. Oh, um, so we got someone to come out and do it. My landlord just got a guy. I think he's non-confrontational. And <laughs> so he just did it himself without getting the, the culprit, the responsible party to take care of it. And he's also buying me new lights once again, because he's non-confrontational. Um, so I got everything I wanted out of the situation. So I'm pleased about it. And you guys didn't lose any money in this. Like, you know, they, they took care of everything. Yeah. Good news. And have you seen the perpetrators yet in person? I'm not. But new okay. people moved in next door. So I was going to tell them their landlord's an asshole, but I didn't want to make their moving day more stressful because it was raining <laughs> and there was a lot going on. And they said that Luna was cute. So I was like, oh, maybe you guys are nice. All right. Maybe they're friends of the podcast. Um, today, we've got stuff about trades and uh, Dakota Mathias and Scott O'Neill. And then uh, we'll do some fake trades that you guys sent in. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Dame Lillard, the, the newest report, this was from Chris Haynes. Uh, it, usually now we're doing twice a week, but it was my fault we didn't do uh, a, a, whatever it's called, green room this week because I was away. But um, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports uh, posted this on the 27th, whenever that was. I think like Monday of last week. He said the backlash from Portland Trailblazers coaching search and his concerns over whether a championship contender can be built have become major factors that could force Damian Lillard to request out. Uh, so people who, uh, and then uh, uh, Farbad Esnashari, uh, he followed up on this and says, sources tell myself and Adam Borai, there is a growing rift between Portland Trailblazers ownership, Damian Lillard and the front office. Dame has been in touch with several players on other teams this offseason and monitoring Portland's future before committing to anything. More to come. Um, 
feels like a lot of smoke there. Um, who knows? I think that it's hard to read exactly too into it. Um, but uh, a lot of people have said that Chris Haynes and Dame are incredibly close. So it's very clear that the source on this is Dame to Chris Haynes. And uh, it's all very pointed. Then they did the Chauncey Billups uh, uh, introductory press conference, which was a just, just an absolute nightmare. I mean, uh, it, it, th- they couldn't have come out of that looking worse and just like cutting off a reporter's follow-up question about it. It's like, you have to sort of be prepared to answer questions about this. Um, especially to start, if you want them to stop asking, because you just have to answer them or they're going to keep asking, which they should. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, Neil Olshay said that he talks to Dame all the time and he wants to retire a blazer, sort of what you would expect him to say. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to read this. You know, on one hand, the finals are just about to start. And um, and I'm not sure if all of these wheels would start turning just yet. You know, I think a lot of it might wait until the season is officially over. Um, but it sure seems like sooner rather than later, Dame's going to want to get out of there. Because I don't know how they build a championship contender uh, over there with him, with just the way they're team is set up. It's not like CJ and some stuff will get you some giant star so i don't know emily what's your read on the dame situation and uh what do you think will happen uh on that front yeah so a couple things um one i just want to say if you for the whole chauncey thing if you want to like learn more about that and why it's more super problematic and how terrible the press conference was and how kind of a dumpster fire the blazers are right now there was a really good episode of spinsters um with Haley o'shaughnessy and jordan liggins who i believe dave early had on his podcast so i would recommend listening to that it's a women-led basketball podcast and it's really cool anyways um dame i think is definitely leaving i don't think i think it will wait he seemed he was shooting a music video recently so I don't know that his uh, he's like really like ha- like has all his feelers out to do this like immediately, but I would expect him to be gone. I just think he wants to win. And then all of this other stuff that's coming out and, you know, people thinking he like all of the Chauncey stuff and like the just bad management of it, I think also doesn't, someone as savvy as Dame know that knows that that like could potentially like look bad for him and his best opportunities to win and to like reputation wise um getting out of there is advantageous I think which is kind of a bummer I mean it would have been nice for Dame to win a title there but if Dame wants to win a title in Philly I'm all for it um so yeah I would I would put my money on Dame not being a trailblazer next year if I had to okay Dan, what about you? Well, I like the idea of Dame not being a trailblazer next year. Um, as long as we get him. Like, we can't <laughs> we can't do this thing where it's like, oh, it's okay if we let the superstar who's available form a super team in our conference again. Like, we, we need to, like, be all in for Dame. And I, I hope that would be enough. I kind of agree. I think he would, like, ask out. Um, because I don't see him winning there, but I just really hope he comes here because yeah. that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be so fun. <clears throat> you know, uh, there is a lot, uh, this all to me seems like the precursor to an actual trade request. It seems like this is getting feelers out there and sort of letting the league know that he's uh, sort of readying himself for uh, an actual formal trade request. And then, you know, what scares me is 
as always, they're going to put out a list of his preferred destinations and it'll be like maybe four teams. And I just pray that the Sixers are one of them. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. Like Butler had his trade destinations leaked and he ended up getting traded to Philly, which was not on them. So, uh, but Dame, I think, probably has more influence, especially in Portland than Butler did uh, in Minnesota. Um, you think that, of, uh, go ahead. Sorry, do you think it matters? He's like always been a West Coast guy, right? So how much do you think that, you know, he would want to stay in the area versus, you know, if he views here as a good chance to win, could we make the list? That's sort of impossible to know. I, I, that's a good point. I mean, he's from Oakland, I think, um, and is very sort of devoted to his hometown. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he's going to weigh that. You know, uh, if the driving factor is winning a championship. The other, the other sort of problem is that, like, Portland just can't trade him to, like, the Clippers or the Lakers because they, they won't get anything they care about back unless you're getting Anthony Davis or something. So, um yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a good question. We're going to see, you know, like, who knows what his relationship is like, if if at all, with Joel. Um, I'm sure that Daryl Morey is working sort of back channels to let him him and everybody else know that they're interested. Uh, there's lots of rumored interest from the Sixers on this front. Um, uh, Kevin O'Connor put in his article recently that uh, league sources say the Sixers are hoping for an opportunity to land Lillard. Um, and also Jay Michael of the Indy Star said uh, that, that, that uh, I'm told there haven't been any talk of the Sixers who are angling for Lillard. Um, yeah, so there's a there's a it seems like the this is what Maury is hoping for here. Uh, who knows if it'll happen, but he seems to me pretty ready to just load up and make a trade for Dame. And, and luckily, there isn't the weird stuff uh, like there was with Harden, which uh, in my mind, prohibited them from getting him uh, with Daryl leaving Houston to come here. Um, I want, I have a hypothetical I want to ask you guys. Um, and of course, this is around a Simmons trade, and we'll talk more directly about Simmons after this. But there are two options. One is tomorrow, you make a trade that's like Ben and uh, maybe Maxi and a couple picks or, or a pick for Zach Levine, uh, not knowing what happens with the Lillard thing. Or you wait and you see how the Lillard thing, uh, let's say Levine gets traded someplace else, and you wait around for Dame, and you take your chances on the better player. Um, Dan, what would you do? Would you just trade Ben for Levine now so that you know that you get a guy uh, who's pretty high quality, or do you wait for the best guy? I mean, I don't think I would make that first trade, especially now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would want to give Maxi in that deal. I mean, Zach Levine is not the superstar that Dame is. I think for a player yeah. like Zach Levine, you can be a little bit more picky with which pieces you're going to give. I'd rather give, you know, I'd be okay with Ben in a first for Levine. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, say, I wouldn't rush. That then. Yeah, yeah. You know, but say, even then, I don't think I would rush to do it. I mean, if you're if it's good, if it's really good value, like you can always flip Levine, right? So like I, I but I wouldn't want to like, deplete all our you know deplete our picks at this point you know because if you trade one pick then you trade you can't trade your pick to next year and it complicates you know the Sixers already are down a pick so it's you know fewer picks that you're actually able to trade in the eventual deal that you make uh, if Lillard does become available later Um, and I I you know if it were you know Ben straight up maybe I would do it but I would really be hesitant about giving a first when you 
think Lillard might become available down the line. But I mean, I don't know. Like we talked about, we think it's fairly likely, but I would imagine that the Sixers front office has a much better idea of how likely that is. You know, so if if what they're hearing is like, you know, Dame is a little antsy and might ask out next off season, but he'll be here. You know, he'll he'll be in, he's giving Portland a full other year. Then yeah, I would I would do it. I would you know. Yeah, would, you can't really play that game because who knows everything yeah. could change in a year. It's like yeah, you can't play that far out, and that's just another year that you're you know not trying to put the best pieces in place to win. But if you're saying that you know there's a fifty percent chance he asks for a trade, you know soon after the draft, then I you know that's high enough for a player of that caliber that I definitely wait. So yeah. I mean I would lean towards waiting just because of you know, the read I have th- on things, but I don't, I would imagine that the Sixers are weighing that in a, in a much more accurate way. Emily, what about you? Yeah, I would also wait for the potential um, Dame trade. And also, as much as I am not wanting Ben on the team this year, like if I don't think the sky falls if Ben is on the team next year. So um, that's just me. So I wouldn't, I would keep that chip till we get the person that we need for the championship, basically. You know, that, that sort of leads us into talking about like Ben's perceived value. And I think that, you know, we've talked about this some, like after that series, it was very easy, especially for us, like, fans to think boy nobody's going to want to trade for him like he just had a meltdown in a second round series against a team that isn't even a good defensive team you know this is like a nightmare you know I remember Zach Lowe who said right after that that like the stench of that will wear off and the smoke will clear and people will uh, once again value him highly and uh, this is from Chris Mannix who just came out today he said, I hear from executives all the time that are loving this Ben Simmons trade value has cratered conversation because they hope Philadelphia believes that. I think his trade value is actually higher than what's been por- publicly portrayed. Uh, but you're going to continue to hear a lot of the negativity around Ben Simmons. In other words, I think people value him pretty high across the league because I do think there's a belief that someone's going to figure the shooting thing out. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. My real my two worries are the Joel angle that like Joel just saw his co-star completely absent from a playoff series in a year that they thought they could win the title. And if you look at the path they had and the way the other things shook out in the East, like they had a very reasonable title if everybody just played like themselves in an average game. Um, And the other thing is what if game one next year, he's the exact same guy because then I worry about the trade value because because this, what just happened should be a real agent of change. And if it isn't, and we get the results back, then it's like, boy, I, I don't really know how much people, because right now you can sell the whole, look at what just happened. He's going to, he's going to like, uh, you know, work to, to revamp his game and change his game and change of scenery, blah, blah, blah. I worry a little bit that coming back and, and seeing him the exact same would, do the opposite to his trade value. Emily, is that something you worry about too? Um, and what do you think about like the Joel angle from, you know, Ben on the team versus not, and, and just sort of his value at this current moment? I do agree that his trade value isn't as low as fans think it is. 
Um, and I don't think the Sixers are the Sixers front office thinks it's as low as the fans think it is. Like I know that you said Mannix hopes a, or executives hope the Sixers believe it. I don't think that they do. I think they're smarter yeah. than that. I think fans are emotional and not that that's not a bad thing. It sounded like I was saying it's a bad thing, but it's not. No, no. I um, so I do think that, but I am, I mean, and we've seen it time and time again, that if he, you know, has another shit playoff series, well, then it becomes kind of like his legacy that like Ben doesn't perform in the playoffs and who kind of wants that person on their team. Um, so I think, I think the move is to get Ben out of here before the playoffs next year. And I mean, that's what I would like, but I don't know. It's very complicated and I, but I'm not really worried about the Joel part of it for okay. some reason. I think, I don't know. I think sports is so weird. And I think we, as people who don't play professional sports don't yet we can like read how hard it is but I think that when you play it you have a more of a camaraderie and understanding and you know we don't know everything that's going on with Ben at home and all this stuff and like maybe Joel in the front office and Doc all do so I think there is more understanding among teammates than for fans because you know Joel's had shit games too so It sucks that Ben had, you know, like 12 shit games in a row, but, um, so I, I just think that there's like a little bit more understanding from like professional athlete to professional athlete. And I think Joel knows that, that the front office and the executives want to bring a championship and that he's that corner piece. So I think he'll kind of make it work. Um, so I'm not really worried about him, but I just, I don't know what the answer is with Ben. That's why they don't pay me many millions of dollars. So. Yeah. I, I mean, the Joel thing really is guessing, you know, it's like, it, it's sort of me inferring what it might be like to be him and to play through that injury and then to have it end the way it did. So, uh, but yeah, no, he hasn't let on anything. I mean, he said that he mentioned that uh, non-dunk the pass um as yeah. the turning point in that game but I, I don't know if we can extrapolate that into something larger so Dan what about you what do you think about the report about his value and about um you know just the, the potential of him being on the team next year and and what you think is more likely I, I think his value is definitely lower than it was I mean it's not I, I think that there is a team who will want him and like, you know, I was listening to um, to Zach Lowe with um, Bobby Marks and he was saying, well, if Ben were a free agent, right, would you sign him to you know, the, a four-year $147 million or whatever is left on his contract? Um, would you sign him to that contract? And, you know, I, I'm not sure the answer is yes. Um, for it definitely most is for teams. some teams, yeah, yeah. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Some teams who can't really get a big star, you know, at least not without drafting them. You know, they're not going to want to come there in a trade. They're not going to sign there in free agency. Um, a, a team like that, yeah, they might want Ben. And so, you know, especially, you know, he's had – he's a three-time All-Star. He's, he's someone who could, you know, get some fans excited for teams that are that are worried about that. And his value is probably what they view as fairly reasonable right now. So I think there are teams that want him. And like by nature of more than one team wanting him, you know, that'll drive the price up 
in and of itself, right? Like they'll offer, you know, they'll basically, you know, in an, in an ideal, you know, well-run situation where, you know, the Sixers are exploring all their options well, you know, they'll, they'll basically be bidding against each other. And I think there's more than, you know, one or two teams interested. So in, in that sense, we should be able to get decent value. I, I think there's a, a maybe 40% chance he starts the year with the Sixers. I think it, it is more likely he gets traded in the offseason. Uh, but I don't think I, – I would not enjoy the Sixers starting the year with Ben again. Um, but I don't think Daryl's afraid to do it. Um, and so I don't, that's why I think that it's, you know, it's not that unlikely that he is back to start the year. Um, I, I agree that if he comes back and looks the same, his trade value um, would maybe go down more. But why should we expect anything else? Like well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think that you have yeah. to like be pretty careful about this waiting thing. Like he's not. First of all, <laughs> if you were gonna fix his shot, that should have happened when he was like ten. Like someone when he was young should have been like, "Your shooting form is awful, and that's why none of your shots go in. Why don't you shoot like this?" And then you know maybe in high school, and then definitely in the full year he missed. I remember that year he was asked, like, what are you going to work on? And everyone was thinking, like, he would be talking about a shot. And he said, oh, I'm going to work on my all-around game. And he, he's not – he doesn't seem to be comfortable changing much. Like, he hasn't really changed as a player um, in how he plays the game. When I think, you know, part of the playoff struggles are, you know, when the pressure's on, he only wants to do what he's comfortable with, which is mostly just passing and playing defense. And that's part of the issue, right? Like when like things are tough now, is he going to be willing to change? Is he going to be willing to do what's harder, which is to work on the part of the game he doesn't like, you know, the part of the part of his game that he's not comfortable with. And even if he is though, at this point, like, I don't even think he could, he could now, you know, have the mindset of I'm going to attack all my weaknesses and I'm going to get so much better at these things. I'm not sure how much better he can get at this point from that. Well, I mean, it's so he's, hard to do. It, like, to, right, well, he's going to turn 25 this month. You know, he's older now. He's about to turn 25. And it's not like some some guys who were non-shooters have, like, acquired jump shots later in their career. Like, Brooke Lopez, you know, is an example who became a good shooter. Even, you know, Siakam became a decent shooter early in his career when he couldn't shoot beforehand. Um but these are guys who were not like naturally uncomfortable shooting. Like, like they just didn't shoot. They were big. They didn't shoot. But like Ben, like when he shoots, looks bad. His form is not right. And he's had this bad form for a while. Like that's not a quick fix in my view. You know, maybe it is. I mean, maybe, you know, it's, it's his full-time job. So that helps. But like, I think that's tough. Like, even if he does everything right from here on out, that's not like a simple Fix and even then you're working on like a standstill shot from the corner. Like there's like good shooters are like if you look at the shots Joel takes, like he's shooting like off balance, like that's what a good shooter does. Like he's never gonna be that. But like even for what people's hopes is that he can stand in the corner, like that's tough at this point. That's not easy to change all of that muscle memory. And they're even talking about like looking into switching his hands, like which means there's like what a month of figuring out what form they're going to go with before he's is even able to start like working on that form heavily. So 
I mean, it's, it's not easy. And then of course the thing with the, you know, that's the big change everyone wants to see, but even if he comes in and he, you know, is aggressive and going to the basket, which we've seen him do, you know, we saw him do it at the midway point of this season. I don't think anyone's going to believe it until it's the playoffs. Like no one's going to be thrilled. So I don't, I don't see a, maybe that's factored in. Maybe that's factored into his value right now. And people, maybe his value is just what he is. And, and, you know, the, the added bonus is that these coaches for some reason think they can make him shoot, which I doubt they can, but I, I don't see it. I definitely don't see it going up, you know, maybe, maybe throughout the off season, maybe your peak is like soon before the season starts, but once basketball starts, I don't see it going too far up. I, I, I really don't. So I, for, for that reason, you know, I think it's either, you know, if they believe Dame might become available, they hold on to him. But if not, I could I could really see him being gone in the offseason. Um, we should say we know how this ends, which is that we trade him and he learns how to shoot. It's just like the only way for this to ever end is that we're going to trade him and he's going to be a great shooter. Like we understand that and we expect that. But we also know that it, uh, it's probably not going to happen here. So it's like it's one of those things that, you know, we'll trade him and we really hope we get a great player back for him because there's no way that there's not going to be like a, you know, a game against Cleveland where he scores 35 points on seven for nine and three. It's going to be great. Um, uh, Ben's off season so far. I don't know how much we want to touch on this. Ben bought a $18 million house, which is really mazel tov for him. It's in gorgeous. gorgeous. It's a gorgeous house. Um, (laughs) Everybody, everybody, you know, this, uh, they put out, I think, four pictures of the house, and everybody goes, up. Oh, no hoop. Where is he going to play basketball? No hoop. I think it's so funny. Um, uh, that's in California. I don't think that means anything. I think, like, so much of the NBA lives in L.A. in the offseason, so I don't, I don't know how much that means. I mean, I'm sure Ben would love to play in the Lakers, but I don't think that really uh, does anything. Uh, and now he's in London watching tennis, I think. Um, you know, some fans are upset that he is not in the gym personally i would be angrier if we got another video of him shooting in the gym i i would lose my mind if there's another video of him making a bunch of jump shots i would go crazy um i don't know per- i'm already sort of viewing him as someone who's not on the team so i have moved on uh i don't really care about what he's doing i mean i don't think this affects his value in any way i don't think that these executives you know are going to be looking at this and extrapolating it into uh whatever his work ethic now they have you know certainly five years now that they could work on that they could look at for that um yeah this i mean you know if you if we were sure that he was going to be on the team next year like if this was joel and joel had a horrible off season um or had a horrible playoff and you know the first stuff we saw of him was you know non-basketball stuff maybe some people would be more upset uh, i don't know i mean all of these guys need time off. It was a condensed schedule. I, you know, I think that they all take a vacation after the season. Um, you know, no, nothing that he could do would make you happy about the playoff series he just had. So it's like, you know, there's only so much that we can see from that. Emily, do you have any thoughts on uh, on his offseason activities thus far? No, I'm not one of those people that is like going to get mad that, you know, Ben went to Target or Ben went to London. Or oh, yeah, plus- I totally forgot about when Ben went to Target and people were infuriating. <laughs> um, I also think that I, maybe, 
I believe Ben's girlfriend is British, so he might be visiting her. Um, yeah. Also, Ben has enough money that if he wants to work on his game, he can fly whoever he wants on his private jets to do it when he's not watching tennis and not post videos about it, which would be fine by me. So, yeah, great. And yeah, there's plenty of basketball courts in L.A. that he can play on. So, yeah. DV, what do you got? Uh, I really don't care, but I do think it's pretty bad optics. And like, I understand, like, you know, I kind of agree. Like, I, I don't like, I'm not really invested in Ben improvement at this point. Like, I, I, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think we'll be here with, with whatever. But like, I do think if you're someone who was, you know, very upset, uh, I mean, well, this describes all of us, but, you know, if you're someone who's very upset after the playoffs and, you know, you saw the basically like goodbye posts from all the Sixers, you know, thank you for a great season. Yeah. Um, we didn't get one from Ben. So I think if Ben had said something like, you know, thank you for your support, you know, we have to be better and I'm going to take a couple of weeks to clear my mind, which you sh should do. Right. And I'm sure is what he's doing now. And then I'll, you know, be in the gym and I'll be, you know, working hard to get better for next season. I think people would feel better about it and, and understand that he's, you know, taking his time to you know he clearly needs to to you know take some time for himself here with you know with everything going on you know with the the, the media talking about him and you know people speculate on his personal life but even even you know i don't want to speculate on that but just you know he had a bad series and he was clearly in his head so he needs some time um but he didn't really say anything like that and i kind of understand the optics of you know ben is now out you know, living it up and not concerned about basketball. You know, he bought a house here. He's now on vacation here. And like, I really don't think it's a big deal. I mean, Joel is in, is in Margate. Like, you know, like there's the, you're, these guys are allowed to take vacations, but I think people are so frustrated with Ben and the, obviously the local media is going to latch onto it. And maybe he doesn't care because he's, you know, out or just doesn't care anyway and doesn't want to talk. And I mean, that's fine. But I do understand that, like, if you're someone who's not paying close attention, but you are, you know, listening to sports radio and you hear someone complaining that Ben is doing all this stuff and you're like, well, why the hell isn't he working to get better? Like, I think that there was a better way to handle the optics there. Um, the other thing that I forgot to mention when we talked about Ben and the potential of coming back, there was a couple of weeks ago that meeting with Clutch and with Daryl Morey. Um, where they discuss the future of Ben Simmons. Like I have a theory that at that meeting, they came to an agreement that's like, okay, best thing for everybody. Let's find him a new home. Don't let it get out until the season ends. But like, this is, that's where that's heading. That's my guess. And I think that Ben not saying anything on social media afterwards would lend itself to that. Like if they really are going into this off season, just with a, Oh, they have a plan. They have a wonderful plan for how to uh, make it work with Ben and Philly. Like, I would think that there would be more of an effort from his publicity team to like uh, engender goodwill in Philadelphia. Um, now, maybe that doesn't matter if he's either going to learn to shoot or he's not going to learn to shoot, and then we're fucked or we're not fucked. Um, but I do think that like that meeting is a very big deal, and that um, it doesn't. Often, I, I mean, I don't know when you've ever seen one of those happen where the result is just everybody staying together and things are great. So uh, that's my sort of uh, uh, 
I don't know, conspiracy theory that that that's the result that was reached at that meeting, but everybody lied to the media afterwards to to hold off until the actual offseason starts. We'll see. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the Timberwolves, apparently, according to Darren Wolfson, who's a Minnesota reporter, the, the Timberwolves barely, badly won then. Um, Emily, is there anyone that you want from Minnesota or uh, is this uh, going to have to be a three-team trade if they want it? There's I the only there's no one I want on Minnesota. Yeah, I the only person I know in Minnesota is Carl Anthony Towns, and I don't want him. So, no, thank yeah. you. Uh, Michael Beasley is good and would be good on the Sixers, but he can't be the centerpiece. And D'Angelo Russell is actually not Michael player. Beasley. What's his name? Malik um, Beasley. Malik Beasley. Yeah. I like Michael Sorry. Beasley's like forty. Yeah, but he just signed with somebody. Um, I've got Beasley on the brain. Uh, Isn't Dan, he playing uh, in the G League? Did I read that? Summer League? He's playing in Summer League. That's what it is. Well, Steve wants him anyway. He wants him from straight from Summer League. (laughs) I really do. Um, (laughs) Dan, what about you? Anything on Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, I would love Towns. I think Towns could play the four. That'd be kind of fun. Um, And if not, you could trade him later if it didn't work. I think that'd be really fun to have two centers. I know that they fought before, but I think that they would be fine. Um, (laughs) It'd be so fun to have two centers. It'd be so fun. We no, but I think they just play together. We've never tried that. At that point, you trade Tobias and you try to get, you know, a real guard. But I think Towns could play the four. Towns has, I believe, uh, I don't think so much recently, but I think he has played decent stretches with centers next to him and has played well. Um, the um, the other player, I, I mean, obviously they're not trading Towns. Um, the other player I would like is... Uh, is Anthony Edwards and I? Oh, he's cool. He's. Great. I'm sure they're not trading him either. And he's really, I mean, he's he's young and and a bit raw for where the Sixers are at. But he's just he's just very cool. And I would, you know, I think he's you know a future All Star level player and would be happy to have him on the Sixers. But he's not ready to really be a, a key piece on a contender yet. But yeah. yeah, besides that, I don't really want anyone on that team. I they're fine like there's no one that's there's no one that should be headlining a Ben trade besides those two guys and and those two guys are not coming to Philly so um yeah I, it it's nice to have options is especially if you're holding out for um for Lillard and you know we, we've talked about this a bit but I think that there's you know it's very possible Portland talks themselves into into you know playing doing something with Ben and, and CJ I think that's ridiculous. They're, that team is not going to win a thing. They'll probably miss the playoffs. Um, I would, I would think though that having these other teams say they're interested uh, is a good sign for if Portland doesn't want Ben, which I don't think they really should, then we can send them a ton of picks, you know, or other other and key find some pieces. Else for him. Yeah. 
Right, right, because we can do a three-team deal. So it's it's good to to see that, even if I really don't think it'll be a a two-team deal with Ben going to Minnesota. This week we had uh, three farewells. Um, we had three farewells. Uh, one that I guess we can't totally confirm, uh, but it sure seems like Mike Scott said goodbye to the Sixers. He posted a billion photos on Instagram, including when he beat up those fans at a tailgate, which is just really funny. Um, you know, on this topic, I guess we should say thoughts and prayers to Zainab, who we love. Um, you know, Mike Scott had such a fun first year here, like with that Butler team and that playoff run. I, I, I was just all in on the Mike Scott experience. Um, and he won that game against Brooklyn with the corner three um, and just like all of his antics with the fans afterwards uh, were so fun. They signed him to a bad contract and then he just totally fell off a cliff uh, athletically and, and with his skill. So it's a bummer for me to see the way it ended with Mike in Philadelphia. If they give him some sort of player development role, I think that would be so fun because I think everybody loves him and, and uh, enjoys having him around. Uh, but yeah, I, I won't miss him on the court. And, uh, you know, again, I just think it's a shame that this is the way it ended up with Mike, you know, uh, in Philly. But, uh, you know, because this year, everybody was so annoyed every time he was on the court. And uh, the first year we had him, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, anyway, farewell to Mike Scott. Emily, anything on, uh, on Mike's, uh, what it seems like is going to be his departure? Um. I think it's time. I'll miss him. I have a Mike. I have two Mike Scott signed basketballs, which are very cool. So I'll have those as a, as a memento of his time here. Um, I met him once at a Sixers event and he was, it was right after we got him and he was super nice. And we said, welcome to Philly. And he's like, I'm excited to explore the city. And it seems like he did explore the city and I hope he loved us. He time. sure did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, what about you? Anything on Mike? Yeah, I mean, it'd be fun if they, I don't, I can't really see him sticking around in the league somewhere else, but maybe he'll try. I, it'd be fun if the Sixers brought him back in some capacity. I mean, I've, I've you know, I haven't um, met him like I know a lot of people have at some, uh, you know, various events. He's been very, you know, interactive with the fans in both in person and on social media. Um, I think that, you know, he seems like someone that everyone likes and, and from everything we hear, he's been like really generous with his, with his time and, and also money for, for fan events for, you know, the Mike Scott events. Um, and I think that's really cool. Um, he, and the young guys on the team adore Mike, it seems. Yeah. I, I, and I think that he's, you know, he seems like a very <laughs> supportive teammate and I would be happy to bring him back in a capacity that is not basketball player. Um, he's, <laughs> This, this last year was really bad. Like he was, he was by far the worst player on the team. And I don't know why Doc kept playing him. He was, he was way worse than whatever B-Ball Paul or Rajon Tucker could have given you. I mean, it's a shame. It's not his fault that they were, you know, that Doc decided he had to play all these minutes and he really couldn't. He was on a pretty big contract that could have been a, a key piece on the team. Um, again, not his fault. They offered it to him. I would have taken it. Um, but it's it was it was a frustrating last year that said I, I think that there were a lot of good moments here and I would imagine those are what people will remember you know I think people remember the corner three uh against Brooklyn I think people will remember 
him hyping up Joel after the Towns fight. Like, I think people will remember the good stuff with Mike Scott. They'll definitely remember him, you know, it being interactive with the fans and and drinking a beer on the sideline or not a beer. What was it? Whiskey? It was whiskey. It was Jack. Yeah. Jack, Straight, okay. No chaser. Yes. Right. So I think that I think that that would um, those would be the memories. And and yeah, I think that there's probably if he's interested, some role on the team, he can be useful next year. Uh, I hope it's not NBA. I mean, I'm sure it is not NBA contract, but, you know, I'd obviously be happy to have him stick around. Um, another tearful, tearful goodbye. Mark Zumoff uh, announced that he's retiring uh, as the Sixers play-by-play guy uh, at NBC Sports Philly. He wrote a beautiful sort of farewell to the fans on uh, NBC Sports Philly, the website. Um, I just love Zumoff. He, he went to Temple, so uh, I went to Temple. Now Dan is going to Temple. Um, he was great. He was just great. He was very clearly one of us all the time. You know, people talk about their favorite Zoom-off moments, and it's weird to call this my favorite, but whenever something awful would happen, like some awful, like, back-breaking shot by the other team, you could just hear the agony in his voice, and it was comforting to know that, like, he was exactly like us in that way. So uh, I hope he enjoys his retirement. Obviously, we talked to Allah uh, not long ago, so I'm, I, I would hope that they keep Allah and then just find a, it's going to be an impossible sort of fill-in to, to fill Zoo's shoes, but um, I just loved him so much, and, uh, and I wish him well in retirement. Dan, I imagine similar stuff. Yeah, that sucks. Like, I'm happy for him. He seems like he's you know, it's obviously a, a tough job with family. You're traveling all the time and stuff. And, you know, he talked about wanting to spend more time with his wife, which, you know, I'm sure they'll, you know, good for him. You know, that's, he's earned, he's earned his retirement. He's had a, he's had a long career of, of, you know, helping us enjoy basketball games. I'll miss him a lot. Um, he's, he does such a good job and he's done such a good job. Like, you know, we like we we've liked a lot of the of the um, of the color commentary guys, and and I think that you know Allah was on our podcast. We all like Allah, but you know Mark's been there forever. You know, doing play by play, like like literally like longer than I've been alive, he's been doing play by play. So I've never I've never had a different play by play Sixers guy. Um, and I'll I'll miss him. I'm I'm curious to see who will replace him, but he's uh he's he's just the best. Like yeah, he'll be he'll be missed. He's he was a fan. You could you could tell he was you know emotional at the times we would, we were emotional and and you know in the ups and the downs. He had the best sayings. So yeah, he'll definitely be missed. He's I mean obviously emotionally he was great, but he was also just incredibly good at his job. Like. You watch these national broadcasts and so many of the play-by-play guys are clueless. Like Mark is so studied on the other team. You know, obviously he knows all about the Sixers guys, but he also can share all of these like uh, idiosyncrasies of people on the other team, which I think just shows how professional and, you know, studied he was uh, as a broadcaster. Emily, uh, anything on Zoom off? Yeah, I'll definitely miss him. Um, And to go to your point about how studied he was, I know like, Iverson in his hall of fame speech even called Mark out as like the best play-by-play. And he's like, I want him to get more. I want him to get national games. Like he's the best. And you guys don't even know about him. 
And I think he was, he was one of the best. And I'm happy that, you know, he'll get to enjoy his retirement. It made me more mad at the Sixers that not that he was even calling those games, but like that this is how the, his season ended. And then he retires and I'm like, this is what you do to him. Like you can't just like win a championship for, for Mark yeah. Zumoff. Like what the hell? Um, so I'm interested to see, do you guys have any ideas of like who they'll put in the booth? Like, I have no idea. Like they've, he never like misses games. They don't have fill in people. Like it's so weird. Cause like the Phillies, like they have like some weekend guys that like fill in, but like basketball, they don't really. So I'm just interested. I have no idea. Marv Albert. What'd you say? You're I thought me? you were going to do it. Yeah. I, I would do it for the right price. I would do it. Um, <laughs> I do have a lot of plans right now so i'd have to move some things around um who could it be i don't i mean oh somebody mentioned tom mcginnis like taking him from radio to tv i mean i think he does such a great job where he's at yeah um and yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if he would want to do that you know it, it's it's very different i feel like because he has to like work with he would have to work with with ala as yeah. opposed to just just and he's so funny on the radio i would i would i would miss like i like being in the car and hearing him like because you you know on the radio has to describe things so much whereas yeah on tv you can just let it happen and i love hearing him describe the game it's fantastic i would miss that if he moved to i just yeah him on the radio during that when i was driving through kentucky and he was like russell westbrook has passed the ball to scott brooks he is the coach i was (laughs) dying he's the best he's great he's so good on the radio yeah i'd be sad Yeah, you don't get that on tv so yeah Scott Fransky, too, for the Phillies broadcast. I love him on the radio. I think he's so great at his job. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, like like a free agent rumor, we start getting little rumors here and there, and we can talk about who we like and who we don't like. Tom McCarthy from the Phillies. I don't. I doubt that they would compete between, you know, teams in the city. But uh, he does basketball when he's not doing the Phillies, right. and he does a great job with basketball. So, I mean, that would yeah, be yeah. interesting. But I don't think he's a Philly sports fan by birth which no i I think think, he's originally new york well i would i would miss that though like i feel like it'd be nice to replace to replace uh to replace mark with a with a sixers fan so yeah we'll see we'll see um speaking of cheerful goodbyes scott o'neill uh stepped down as the ceo of the philadelphia 76ers only four years too late um I, I mean, this guy was just a clear sleaze the whole time. He forced Hinky out. He was just like very obviously uh, colluding against him and did not have the best interest of the team in mind. Obviously, there's the, you know, when Hinky traded MCW, he was livid about the pamphlets that had gone out. I mean, it was just, I'm glad that he's gone. I mean, I think that it, my guess is that Daryl did not want him around based on everything from Sam, but he didn't want to get rid of him like the second he got to town. So they wait a year. They frame it as a resignation. Um, happy he's gone. I, I, I really, really thought he was gross. Uh, and wish him the best. Uh, Emily, <laughs> did you have anything on, uh, on Scott O'Neill saying goodbye? Um, no, I don't. It's like, you're just going to leave a, company where you made a bunch of money to do something else where you make a bunch of money and you kind of suck at your job and great for you happy for you great yeah you know now he's an author right he's books. an author 
Yeah. And, so, he, and he loves his book. Guy's the limit for him. <laughs> he does love his book. I'm sure he does. Dan, do you have a farewell message for Scott? I I don't have a farewell message beyond what you guys said, which is that he's awful. But I feel like we need to read his uh, his uh, review of his own his own book that he that he like put out, which was very very funny. <laughs> but let me see if I can find it quickly. I know Jim Adair tweeted it out. Uh, he was on our podcast, but let me see if I can find this quickly. He was on our podcast. <laughs> he was. He was on with Matt. I- I know. You were there. You know. I'm not making it up. Uh, I can't find it. That's a shame. But if I could find it, I could have read it and it would have been fun. Well, just imagine what that would be like at home. And uh, maybe look it look up. Look it up and pause, pause the podcast. It and, yep. Look it up. Great. Um, Dan is still scrolling. Um, I'll move on to two quick bits of news that we can loop together because it's about two white guys. Uh the Sixers are listed as a potential suitor for Kevin Love, and former Sixer Dakota Mathias has landed himself a spot on the 2021 Team USA Select Team. Uh, what is that USA Select Team? I'm not sure. I think one of you said that it, they play against Team USA. Can't wait for Dakota to really shine in those games. Uh, and the Kevin Love thing, I mean, you would have to trade Tobias for Kevin, like, in order to get Kevin Love uh, he's on a huge contract, and he can only play four or five, and I don't want Tobias to play the three. Uh, I I don't know. That seems unlikely unless they – and it's also from Sam Rico. Uh, yeah, not not too interesting to me. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Dakota and Kevin, what do you think about their little pieces of news? Well, very happy for Dakota Mathias. I really – did not expect to hear his name in the news too much anymore. So glad he's getting a chance in some way. I'm sure that's, you know, some opportunity to showcase himself. And honestly, like he was fine here. So he was fine. He won a game. He, get another three, right? he did against the heat. Yeah. yeah. He should right. get another shot. Um, Kevin Love. I mean, you'd have to, I wouldn't be super interested in him unless a lot of things went a different direction. Like, you're talking Ben traded for a wing or a guard. And even then Tobias traded for a wing or a guard right. before I, I, I want the Sixers to trade for Kevin Love. And I would want that trade to be, you know, basically salary. You know, he's yeah. making a lot of money. I don't want him for that much money. I wouldn't sign him for that much money. Um, I think he still can be a good player. Um, but I, I mean, what is he? He has like two years left making like 30 million. I don't really know how the Sixers put the salary together for that unless they're maybe it's like a Ben gets treated somewhere else and is Tobias for love and something else. I, it just it seems like crap to me. I, I don't really yeah. buy it because it's there's there's too much weird stuff that would have to happen. Um, and I, I, I doesn't really make sense other than that. I mean, Tobias was, just had a, a very good year. You know, I'd rather have him for three years, even though I still maintain, I think that Tobias contract is still awful. I know some people, you know, have now talked themselves into it being a fine contract. I fully disagree, but that's fine. Um, I don't think Kevin Love is an upgrade on that. And it's only a year shorter. You'd have no issue trading Tobias with a year left on his deal. I don't, you know, even then you, why would I trade him? Like, I, I think that it's, 
it's not that much of an upgrade in, in contract, if at all. I mean, you're getting a worse player, a much worse player after the year Tobias hat. So, I mean, I don't think it really makes any sense unless you're getting another really good player next to Love, which you I'm sure wouldn't. So, no, I, 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 I don't buy it. Emily, uh, anything on Matthias and Ben? And nope. And who are we talking about? Kevin Love. Great. Kevin Love. Um, yeah, I'm not really super interested in Kevin Love. Just like Dan said, I think he's a worse player than Tobias. And the the trade-off for it uh, contract-wise isn't worth it. Um, plus, in my mind, Kevin Love is like 38. I know that's not true, but he seems old to me. So I'm not right. sure. He's 32. I looked it up. I was like, how old is that man? <laughs> not that old. Um, he's also very handsome, though. So he would fit in with the Sixers nicely. Yeah. Um, in regards to Dakota Mathias, i happy for him. Hope he gets, a, hopefully someone sees him. This team is like so weird to me. I'm just looking it up. Like, how do they, like, how does Dakota Mathias get on this team? But someone like Tyrese know. Maxey does not. Like, do you think Maxey was like, I'm going to work on my game on this off? But like, Maybe. would it go? But all he does, all they do is go to camp. So like, wouldn't that be good to like be playing against these great players? Like, so that doesn't make sense. It's just I don't know how they pick it. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, somebody like Tyrese just might not have sort of like a name recognition like somebody like Dakota Mathias. So that's probably the problem. Um, Dan, sources are telling us that you found the Scott O'Neill thing. Um, so now you can hit play on the podcast and listen to Dan uh, sharing this review that Scott left for his own book. Yeah, so this is, I found the screenshot on, <laughs> on Jim Adair's Twitter. Uh, this is Scott O'Neill's Goodreads review of his own book. Uh, he gave himself five stars, um, of course. What can you say about your own book? Well, Great. I give it a five-star rating for sure. Maybe even a six, smiley face. The truth is that it is the right book at the right time. As we begin to come out of the isolation of our cocoons, oh we need a framework, practical exercises, and memorable stories from incredible people as we define the new normal. This is a mind, body, soul meets purposeful living book. There are What's seven- What's he gonna do to my body? What is that? Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> there are seven principles it's like really poorly written too there are seven principles assume positive it okay there are seven principles there's no like common here or anything but i think mm -hmm. he's now starting to list them assume positive intent trust the process oh great wmi with no explanation where that is mm -hmm. falling forward purple water buffalo and then it cuts <laughs> off i don't know what any of that means all right. Well, good. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. But he it. wants to give um, himself more stars than they let him give. So mm, Some people just don't get enough breaks. Um, I did want to mention, <laughs> uh, Jason Dumas reported uh, a couple of days ago, the Sixers have already fielded offers for Ben Simmons, but continue to hold a stance. They will only trade him for an all-star caliber player. They most recently turned down a deal with the Pacers that included Malcolm Brogdon and a first-round pick. Now, that report has been uh, somewhat refuted from an Indianapolis reporter afterwards, which was uh, Jay Michael. Um, this is the season where where we don't know what is true and what is not. You know, Jason's a good reporter. You know, he has good stuff. He had good stuff around the Harden thing. I think, uh, you know, it, at this point of the year, you can either plug your ears and only listen to Woj and Shams 
or you can just like take all of these with a grain of salt, which I think is probably for our purposes, because we need content, what we're going to have to do. Um, you know, if that was the starting place for Simmons offers, I think it's a great place to start because Brogdon's a good and valuable player and a first round pick, that would be good. But um, we'll see, you know, it seems like that might not carry much uh, weight, but uh, again, we're, we're going to see how this shakes out. Dan, you, we solicited on Twitter for fake trade. Um, we're running out of time in this episode. I figured what we should do is let's do three of them. You, you can read us three trades from uh, that, that listeners sent in to the Liberty Ballers account on Twitter. And uh, we'll discuss three of them. And then we can just, you know, keep track of which ones we've talked about and then talk about uh, however many more in the next episode and so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, let's go through the three of them, talk about the Bachelorette and get out of here. All right. Well, we'll go through three. I didn't look through them ahead of time because I thought we were going to just run through, but I'll pick some. Let's see. We have Ben and Shake to Golden State, Wiseman and Seven plus the Sixers first, and Wiggins to the Wizards, Beal to the Sixers. Um... I think Washington would need so much more than that. For I Beal. agree. Emily. Sure. I suck at this kind of stuff, but I like Bradley <laughs> Beal. I just yeah, don't think too. about who the Sixers would get. If the Sixers get Bradley Beal at some point, that would be good. I would like that. Yep. What else you got? All right. Let's see. Um, Simmons, Milton, and Hill to Portland for CJ and Covington. Simmons, Milton, and Hill to Portland for, yeah, I mean, to me, that's like a last resort one. Like, CJ is good and might make us better in the playoffs, but like, I just don't think he's the second best guy on a championship team. So I'm, I'm really hoping for much higher than, than CJ. Although, Ben for Covington is, is an actual trade I would have to consider because of how much I love Covington. Um, Emily, what's your reaction to this? No, yeah, that you're, I would say that that's not enough value. I, I'm kind of shooting higher um, in these Ben trades initially, but I mean, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if that's where it ends up because sometimes that just kind of shit happens to us. Right. Dan, what's your reaction to that one? Yeah, I'm not that excited about that i i mean i don't think it's i don't think it makes us worse i'll be honest i think oh hey we should also by the way we should share who who sent these in oh okay um you're right so the first one was from (laughs) i'm just gonna say it all at dirty ha one four zero 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 eight one five great thank you and this last one was from uh, at I don't know how to pronounce this. Great. Uh, thank you to that person as well. Um, what were we saying? Oh, I'll just say their display name. That one's from uh, Sexto Sentido. Hey, great. anyway what i think about that um i forgot we were on me um i think it makes us better but i i I think that you wouldn't hold out for for more value i think see i think we talk about guys whose value have dropped 
mean, CJ has had some really good playoffs, and he yeah. was bad this he, year. He's coming off a bad one, yeah. He was really bad this year, but he also got hurt in the season and didn't have an offseason in between to recover. He got off to an amazing start this year. He was really hot to start the season, mm-hmm. and and I think hurt his foot, um, and he mm-hmm. missed he missed like over a month, I believe. Um, and so, I think that CJ is a guy who's who's getting a little bit underrated at this point. I mean, even when we did when we I mean all three of us were were in this when when we did the Liberty Ballers, you know, a hundred player draft. Um, I took CJ. I want to say like twenty second. Ben went twenty ninth. So. They get to uh, yeah twenty second right and Ben went twenty nine. So I mean I think I think CJ's a guy who, you know, gives you a little bit of what the Sixers need. And I think he can, you know, he can absolutely get his own shot. And I I don't think he's a bad passer. So um, he's good. Yeah, I mean he's, he's obviously not good. a good defender, but you get Covington. You know, yeah. You have that. You can run. You know, imagine I think CJ with Matisse and Covington and Tobias and and B like. I'm not sure how much defense you're losing there and you're getting your perimeter creator. So I actually, I don't think that trade makes the Sixers worse, but I, I mean, I would even do that. If you said this is the best offer we're getting, I don't think that's like below the value, but I would, I would wait, I would wait for, you know, if you think you can get a superstar, but honestly, I I think that that trade is not bad for the Sixers. Uh, Let's get one more in under the wire here. All right. Let's see. Let's do uh let's see i want to find one for oh here's a here's a fun one if we're we'll revisit these next week sure um here's here's one that we can i know none of you're going to do it but i think it's a funny idea uh joel for lillard no absolutely not absolutely not that is from cannot happen that one's from Pad Malingam. I can't. I'm. I'm. I. I don't know. I don't know. There's no spaces between any words here. I don't know how to how to wow. break up the sounds. <laughs> I really love all of the yeah, that. All of the usernames were like not words. It was really good. Um. So yeah, we'll get to more of those. And thank you guys for sending them in. Feel free to send more. Um. Finally, Bachelorette. Uh, coming off a week of lots of Thomas drama. Uh, Katie sent him home in front of everybody. Public humiliation. Very fun. Um, uh, my guy, Andrew S had a sort of weird episode. I didn't really know why he was adamant that they shouldn't tell Katie about Thomas being shitty. Um, Emily, what was your takeaway from last week's bachelorette and how, how have your favorites evolved? So I don't really think what Thomas did was that bad. Yes. I do think that he's kind of shady. But I, I mean, they all think that he was just being honest. He, that's his problem. He shouldn't have said it. Yeah, that's, it's not that he said He's something stupid. unforgivable. It's like, are you a moron? Of course you can't say yeah. that. Like, so lots the problem of them, I'm is sure, think stupid. of that outcome. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'll say about that. Um, the Andrew S part of it, I kind of get it. Like, he was like, she'll figure this out. Like, she wants us to trust her. I just like Andrew S though, too. So I think that's part of why. Um, my new favorite is Michael. I'm really into single dad Michael. Yes. Um, I don't think they end up together, but I think he would be a great bachelor. Uh, he looks just we, like Sean Hayes. He's great. Have they ever had a, a bachelor or a bachelorette who already had a child, Emily? They have. And it was a they great have. season. 
It was okay. the original switcheroo where he picked one person and then broke up with them and went back to the other person. Oh boy. And those are, they're still married though. They have a kid. They've been married for like 10 years. So the switch worked, but mm-hmm. it was a great season. Lots of tears. Um, and I just, I liked how Michael was like, this is what I, my claim to fame when I sent to Callie Curry and she shared on her Instagram story <laughs> that um he kind of was like I'm here if you want to talk about it but like I don't really want to talk about it I want to talk about us so he like supported her but like didn't make it all he made their time about them and not like Thomas which a lot of people were like let's shit on Thomas and I was like don't do that no one likes that have you never seen the show come on um yeah Dan what do you say I I don't really like the Thomas thing was weird because I don't think he was anything like how they were describing him like they're like oh he's like he's pulled a fast one on you he's this master with words when like he literally talked himself into a bad situation and then could not talk (laughs) himself out of it like like I don't know if they were threatened by him or just didn't like him but like they're basically all lying you know either either all lying or like really dumb to think that Thomas was anything like what they were talking about I thought it was kind of ridiculous like I I think you know the the union thing was kind of funny with uh with what's his face with uh carl with carl yeah with carl that was i mean and but in that case it was like carl's like pretty clearly lying that guy fucking Um, sucked yeah the yeah but the the thomas thing was weird like he said something it rubbed you the wrong way like i think he apologized like everyone could have moved on and people just kind of like kept going after him and then you know I don't know if like Katie didn't like recognize that but like she basically let everyone talk her into into Thomas being awful and Thomas doesn't seem like the best but he also doesn't seem like the worst person ever I think he talked himself into a bad situation and and he was like talking to her about it clearly had had no idea how to talk his way out of it and then she's like you know like like publicly humiliates him for like being like manipulative and whatever it's like he's not he 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 might be trying to, but if he is, he's horrible at it. Like he's, yeah. he, he, I don't understand what, like, what are we watching here? What are we, that, like, what is happening? Weird apology, like wrong time, not a good idea. Stop talking. Like he just needs to stop talking. Yeah. He was, he was not the, like some mastermind. He was like, if anything, yeah. horrible at this. Agreed. In, like, my mind, the weirdest, in my mind, the weirdest Thomas moment was when everybody's sitting in a circle in a black room talking to that guy, Nick, who used to be on the show. And they're going around the room talking about the worst <laughs> things that's ever happened to them. Everybody's like, this person died. I died. Uh, this is, I got fired from my job. I drank too much. And they get to Thomas and he's giggling. And he goes, I was on a date right before I came here. And every time I look at you, I smile. It's like, buddy, <laughs> have you been paying attention? Everybody's sobbing. Like He doesn't get it. <laughs> totally missed it yeah so i i agree that he's more of a moron than like a uh sort of like uh villain you know he seems like sort of out to lunch i think Ah. we see thomas in paradise though because katie tweeted like oh i think thomas will be just fine like sunshine emoji palm tree emoji something so i think that was big hint we'll see thomas in paradise Oh boy. Can't wait for Paradise. They're film or they just got back from filming or they're filming. Cannot wait. I'm excited. Um, thank you for listening. Oh, hey, uh, Emily, you have not yes. verbally committed to this, but I'm gonna need you to. The we're doing another live stream for the draft. 
Thursday the 29th, maybe. Um, will will you be there? I think so. I don't know what no? I'm doing. Sorry, this is a contract and it's binding. Okay. Emily's there. Dan and I are there. We're doing another one of those. It'll go out as a talking about podcast after. So Dan O is going to do it and Sean Kennedy and um, I believe Harrison is going to be there and Tyler and we're, we're firming the up. People who know about the draft will be there. It won't just be us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> We will just be talking about suits, turtlenecks, handsomeness yep. and like awkward things that happen. And like and really dumb jokes. Right. Dumb jokes. Uh, we'll be drinking. It'll be great. Um, so course. come hang out with us then. We'll, we'll follow up with more details, but it'll be a live stream on YouTube that uh, we'll go out as a podcast after. Good seeing you guys. We'll be back uh, in the middle of the week this week on Green Room. And uh, yeah, that's it. See you guys. Bye. Hey, follow us on Twitter at Gastro Blues Pod. Yes, definitely do that. We follow See back. <laughs> follow and mute. That's the move. See ya. <laughs> What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.